Welcome back, friends. You have made it to another episode of Dominating Real Estate. I'm your host, Courtney Gennings, and today we are going to be diving into negotiating. So whether it's your first episode or you've been along for the ride and you are here with me for episode 11, welcome, welcome, welcome. So diving into it, negotiations, something we all know as part of the process for real estate, right? Whether you are on the buying side or the listing side, negotiating is just part of what we do. So you really want to make sure you're comfortable, you understand it, what is the right way to negotiate, is there a right way? And a lot of times, seller, buyer, new agents, we think, okay, negotiating, what and when does that happen? A lot of times we think just about negotiating the price, right? Is the house in the seller's market? Is it brand new and there's four offers? Or is it a buyer's market and the house has been sitting in the market for a few months? Knowing your market and being able to understand the market that you're in will ultimately help with your negotiating. So not only are we going to negotiate on the price, but don't forget there's also inspections more times than not, right? So if you have a buyer and you're on the buy side and your buyer may be an investor and they're flipping a house and they say, hey, here's an all-cash deal, no contingencies, including no inspections, then you don't have that piece of the puzzle. That is essentially eliminated. If you are on the list side, and again, you have an offer or multiple offers and the buyer opts to waive them, you aren't going to have the negotiations with inspections. Huge, huge disclaimer. I am not promoting no inspections. In fact, it's something I actually don't recommend. Um, I think it's a huge liability waiting to happen, but ultimately that is the choice of your buyer and know that it's not necessary to buy a house. So I've seen inspections waived when I've had investors and they have a really clear idea. First time home buyer, you want to make sure they're doing their due diligence, but the choice is always theirs. So the goal for negotiating, it's ultimately to come to terms, right? If a seller has their house in the market, they want to sell. How can you help them accomplish their goals by negotiating? If you were helping a buyer, they're raising their hand and saying, hey, I want to put an offer in on this house. I love this house. I can see myself in this house. Again, how can you negotiate in their best interest and make sure you are helping them achieve their real estate goals? So when it comes to negotiating, situation is this. You are on the buyer side and you are getting ready to place your offer. You go through the contract with your client. You go through the pluses and minuses. You go through the different areas of the contract and ways to make their offer strong and strategic, especially if you are up against multiple offers and will likely do a future episode about multiple offers because We are a huge reality in today's world in 2021. But when you were doing that, I always say when you were, let's say you're on the buyer side. And when you were on the buy side, when you are presenting the offer to the listing agent, right? Again, know your market. If it's a seller's market and things are crazy and there are multiple offers, you're not going to get the house for under asking. Let's be serious. You really aren't, right? And the best way to explain that to a client, your buyer is saying, hey, when there are multiple offers, it's telling us that there are so many buyers that feel that there's such a value in this house that they're going to be willing to exceed the asking price. It's similar to an eBay situation. If you have more than one buyer, they're not going to start it under asking, right? That price point is going to ultimately escalate. I haven't seen a multiple offer situation where it's gone under asking. Usually the asking price 
price is the threshold. So with that being said, negotiating is really just going to be putting all of your cards on the table. It's just the reality of the market. If it is a buyer's market and you have seen the house on the market for six months and they've done four price reductions and you can probably make the guess based on the trends of the price reductions and the days on market, the seller is going to be excited to get this baby under contract. With that being said, you may have more room for for negotiating that price down and getting that for you know a better price point than they're asking for. So when you are presenting the offer to the listing agent, whether it's a solid offer or you think, oh gosh, I don't know how this is going to go over. Sometimes that happens. Be true to yourself. I always say that, you know, if you are someone that is maybe a little bit softer, that's okay. That's probably honestly how I would describe myself. But my strategy in negotiating is ultimately to be confident, be knowledgeable, and just make sure that I'm honestly working with the other agent, right? Because I always tell my clients that we are on two separate sides of the deal, right? That agent is working for their client and I am ultimately working for my client, whatever side you may be on. However, our goals are the same, right? Again, a seller is putting their house on the market because they want to move on to another chapter. A buyer is in the market to buy and put an offering on a house, not because they just say, hey, let's see, you know, if this one happens, right? Like they're emotionally becoming invested. They're emotionally getting themselves to that point where they're taking the leap of signing paperwork, especially if you're a first time home buyer. You are, you know, putting down an earnest money deposit. You are going through the process of getting pre-approved. That is a huge step to just do physically, but also to wrap your head around, right? So I truly believe that regardless of what side of the transaction you are on, you ultimately have the same goals. And how can I, whether I'm representing the buyer or representing the seller, how can I ultimately work together with the other agent, having my client's best interest at heart, making sure that they are happy, but ultimately making it a win-win. That is definitely something, you know, I've we'll be talking about a lot, right? It has to be a win-win. If there is one side constantly losing, you are ultimately risking the chance for the deal to fall apart, right? Someone's going to get so fed up that they're just going to say, screw it. I'm not going to want to continue moving forward, right? It's not going to feel good. And as a professional, our job is to ultimately make this the best experience as possible. That does not mean everything's going to be perfect. That does not mean the other agent on the other side is going to be, you know, fantastic all the time. Sometimes they may be ultimately really aggressive. They may be slightly bullish. They may be really fantastic and you actually might win the lottery and they'd be super perky and all the exclamation points and someone that's really just excited to be under contract for their client so they can help them achieve their goals. But with that being said, you ultimately want to work with that other side, right? You want it to be a win-win because like I said, I mean, if, if I'm on the list side and the buyer is nitpicking everything and it's a constant battle and there's arguing and nobody's getting along, attorneys, agents, and then that's ultimately trickling down to buyer and seller, like that is not going to feel good, right? And again, how do you want your clients to remember you long after the transaction? In upstate New York, in the local market that I'm in, the capital district, Contract to close is typically that 45, 60 day mark. Sometimes it's faster. Sometimes it's 30 days. If you end up with an all cash deal, no contingency, sometimes it goes even faster, right? But a traditional financed offer, 45 days, 60 days, depending on the market, depending on how busy things are with title, getting through inspections, getting through appraisals, all that stuff. So 
with that being said, you are with your clients for a little bit of time. So again, how do you want your clients to remember their experience? So like we talked about negotiating, stay true to yourself. Maybe you are more of a rigid person and that's okay. There's nothing wrong. I wouldn't change your style. Don't change who you are to satisfy someone else, right? Like that's why people will ultimately want to work with you. That's how your family, your friends, your colleagues, your neighbors, that's how they know you, right? They know you as you. And the beauty of real estate is that you get to create this world that fits for you. So stay true to yourself. If you are a really upfront, straightforward, you know, straight shooter, stick with that, right? I mean, still make sure that you are working well with other agents because it's ultimately your reputation and how you handle situations today may impact your future clients if you find yourself on the other side of the table with the same agent. But if you are a straight shooter, then stay like that, right? People will respect you because you are staying true to who you are, right? If that's how you normally are on a day-to-day basis and all of a sudden you are trying to wear this different hat, it's going to show and it's not going to come across as authentic. So when you are negotiating with the other side, don't change anything. And on the flip side, if you are more of a softer person, if you like to finesse things, if you ultimately believe it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And most times that's honestly how I operate. Then again, don't change that. I know I battled internally like, do I have to be this really aggressive like person? And I sometimes, especially when I first started, would question like, is this the right way? But I can honestly tell you from being in real estate for now over four full years that I am so grateful for the times where, you know what, if I've been in multiple offer situation and it hasn't gone to my client's best interest and my response back to the listing agent when they give me that news is, Hey, congratulations. That's amazing. You received multiple offers. Best of luck to you and your sellers. Let me know if anything changes. Is almost like the rarity, I think, sometimes. And it almost takes the listing agent back like, oh, wow, that's that's amazing, right? That's someone that can take the high road versus someone that's annoyed, pissed off, aggressive. And then when you find yourself like on the opposite side of the table from them in the future, you're not going to want to deal with them. And if you find yourself, again, having, you know, multiple offers and you're representing the seller and you could say, hey, I have really two comparable offers and I can honestly state to my seller that, you know, the choice is yours. These are the pros and cons of each offer. Hey, they're really comparable. From a personal level, I know that Agent A is really a team player. You know, they are really great. They want to make sure that it's a win-win. They want to make sure that we're getting to the closing table. They want to make sure that they're coming from, you know, a place of understanding. And Agent B, they're a little bit tougher. They're going to give us a run for our money. They're going to make sure that, hey, they're going to push their luck and they're going to, you know, try everything possible to, you know, wheel and deal and nickel and dime everything. Which which situation do you want? You know, what is worth it to you? And that goes a long way. I can tell you recently, I was talking with an agent for a buyer client of mine and that agent had openly said that, you know, my reputation is going to come into play when selecting the offer, right? I mean, if there's an offer that's significantly better, again, you know, what is your seller going to want? Are they going to want something a lot more or are they going to take a lesser offer because someone's easier to work with? They may take the risk and honestly, what would you do? But with that being said, right, again, if you have two comparable offers, like your reputation impacts how your clients perceive you and 
them ultimately wanting to refer you, but also you want to be known as, in my opinion, as the person that gets the deal done and not just gets to the closing table and make sure your clients achieve their goals, but you're doing it in a fashion that's professional and respectable. And ultimately it is, it's a good experience for clients, buyer and seller, regardless of the side you're on, for attorneys, for agents. I mean, there's been so many times where things have maybe gone a little bit south after inspections. And again, it comes back to that negotiating piece and sellers annoyed, buyers annoyed. And at the end of the day, when the agent and I ultimately work together, we've been able to get past those feelings of emotions and get us to closing. And a lot of times too, you know, your client is going to be emotional. It's stressful. If you're selling, why are they selling? Are they selling because there was a death in the family? They're emotional. Are they selling because their family's expanding and they're expecting? They're emotional. Are they selling because they're downsizing and their kids have gone off to college? They're emotional. There's so many reasons why people are selling and leave the emotions to your clients. Be professional. So be confident, right? When I say be knowledgeable when you're negotiating, do your homework. Know what you're talking about, especially if it is a offer that may be lower than the asking price. And when I say that, I'm going to say that there's essentially a gap between the asking price and the offer price. And again, if you are negotiating, you are actively, you know, fighting for your client, if you will. And like I said, the house has been in the market for so many months, weeks, they've done X amount of price drops. You know, there's going to be opportunity to get that price down. But maybe if you back up your offer, maybe with comparable saying, Hey, average price per square foot is X, right? So this is where we came from. Again, you don't have to give up the worlds. You want to maybe give up pertinent information. But I always say, you know, try to come from a place of understanding and also being willing to give information so that that other side of the transaction can also come from a place of understanding, right? If you are just barking orders or asking for a bunch of favors because your buyer wants it, how can you help set expectations with your buyer and say, hey, I am going to ask for these things because it sounds like they're important to you. Realistically, is it considered a major item? Does the seller have to do these things or is it more of a nice to have? Are these things going to be a deal breaker for you, right? And if you're on the seller side and the buyer asks for things or the seller says, I can't do this or I, you know, I wish I could, but I really can't make that happen, right? Again, how can you, you know, come from a place of trying to, you know, explain, if you will, where your client is coming from so that the other side can understand it and they might not always like the answer or like the outcome, but at the same time, they can understand it, they can respect it. So always have your client's best interest and not, remember, it's not about you, right? Again, like there have been times where my client says they need this or that, or to be completely honest, I feel like the request might be a little bit out there. You know, I feel like it might be like, oh, I don't know. But at the same time, again, how can you set expectations, plan for the best, but also be open that, hey, this is also a possibility that this may not happen, or we might have to keep working on this, or we might have to continue this conversation. But always have your client's best interest, right? It is always up to them. You are ultimately working for them. You are not doing this for yourself. They need to be coming first, right? So if they have a request, if they have a need, if they have a unique situation, you need to make sure that you are understanding that you are articulating that to the other side. Sometimes you need a lot of stamina, just the reality of it. 
I've had um, listings before and they have taken months and months and months and they are exhausting. You know, the thing that keeps you holding on is that your client's really great and you have really good communication with them. And even though it's taking months and way longer than you hope and wanted this house to get under contract, they're still happy with you because you're checking with them every week, right? Sometimes having stamina is really challenging. You get mentally exhausted. You are tired, especially if your client has a unique request or unique situation and there is extra communication and there are, you know, additional conversations and you were having those conversations really early in the morning and you were continuing them really late at night and you were having phone calls with your client at literally 8, 39 o'clock after your kids are in bed because again, you're trying to put your client first. And you want to show them that you are there. So having the stamina to know that, you know, if you believe in it, you need to keep fighting for it. You need to have the energy for it. So just mentally prepare for that. Again, you are with them for 45, 60 days once you're under contract. And how long is it going to take to get their house in the market if you're on the list side, right? You're not at your list appointment today and then putting the house in the market tomorrow, most likely getting things ready. So Again, you know, how long does the house take to sell? You are probably with them for a few months. Same thing on the buyer side. Have stamina, have the energy, have the patience. So we talked about attitude, right? You know, putting your client first, taking the emotion out of it, leaving the emotion to your client. Your job is to be the professional. So remember that when you are interacting with the other agent, whether you have a really good relationship because you've worked together before, or you know they have a really good professional reputation, or you've never worked with them before, or maybe they're really challenging. Let's be serious. That can happen too. I always think of, is my attitude going to hurt the situation or help the situation? Think about that again. How you are acting towards the other agent and working with that other agent, is that going to help your client or hurt your client? Again, putting your client first, taking yourself out of it. You may want to ring the other side of the transaction's neck. You may literally be so annoyed that things are taking long. You may be so annoyed that they're, you know, asking for the world. But at the same time, you need to pull yourself out of it. Be the professional and remember, my attitude matters. Because the more I am working with the other agent, the more they feel and sense that, hey, I want to make this work. We may have to continue conversations. We may have to look into things deeper. It doesn't mean everyone's going to be you know, hunky-dory, rainbows and butterflies. Nobody's going to ask for anything. Everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be no hangups. That doesn't mean that's like, that's going to happen, right? There are most likely going to be speed bumps is what I like to call them. With that being said, I want to make sure that regardless if I'm on the buyer side or I'm on the seller side, that the other agent on the other side knows that, hey, whatever comes our way, I'm going to do my best to find a solution. You also want to exude that confidence in your client that regardless of what comes our way, I am going to make sure that we find a solution until you're happy, right? We're not going to stop until you are happy. This can't be a lose situation. You putting your client first, you're making sure it's a win-win for both buyer and seller, and you're getting them to the closing table. The other thing I think you have to remember when you're negotiating is to not be afraid of rejection. Again, we talked about, hey, your client could have a unique situation. They might have a unique request. They might need something that you feel is a little bit outlandish, but you know what? Again, it doesn't always hurt to ask, right? Like I think you need to be open and be okay with rejection. It's going to happen in the business. Negotiations are part of rejection. And I think you just need to make sure that you're not assuming that, hey, that's not going to happen, 
right? Because you never know. There's no one way something has to go. And I tell my clients that too, like this doesn't have to go a certain way. There's no one hard written rule a lot of times, right? When when you're in the process of negotiation. So with that being said, it's ultimately what makes sense for the buyer, what makes sense for the seller. So don't assume, don't be afraid to ask and you know, be afraid of rejection. That is part of the process. The other things I always like to say it's remember is don't take things personal. Remember that this is a job. This is a business. So again, pull yourself out of it. Like your job is to make sure that you are as positive and optimistic and forward thinking and solutions oriented as possible. Whether behind closed doors you really feel that way or you don't, that is your job to your client. That is your obligation to your client. Nobody wants to work with someone that's constantly being glass half full, constantly being negative, constantly saying the other side's a bitch, constantly saying that they suck. You know what I mean? Like, who is that going to feel good for? No one. So have your rant to your fellow agent at your office that you can confide in. Keep things confidential, of course. Um, but keep your best foot forward and your professional face on for your client. Don't take things personal. I always say maybe filter, but be honest, right? So again, we want to make sure we're having the best possible experience for our clients. You want to make sure that you are like being as open, honest, and truthful. You're not, you know, not telling them something that's part of your fiduciary duty is being open and honest with them, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's in between. Is this a speed bump in the transaction? Is this just a matter of, hey, we just need to get through this type of thing? Again, how can we find the solution? So we always want to be upfront and honest. Our job is to not, um, you know, make sure everything is perfect per se. Our job is to make sure we're finding a solution for anything that comes our way. And I always want to end with how you handle yourself today with your agent ultimately can impact your clients in the future. We highlighted that really quick earlier in the episode, but don't forget how you handle situations today are going to have a lasting impact on your client and on the other agent. And if you are someone that works in, you know, really specialized locations and the agent on the other side where you're maybe having a few speed bumps is also primarily, you know, used to working in those same locations, the chances of you working together in the future or running into each other are pretty high. So how do you want your reputation? How do you want people to perceive you? How do you want to, you know, leave the lasting impression on your clients? Doesn't mean we have to make sure everything's perfect and everyone's happy at every single moment, but having the reputation of being honest, coming from understanding, being knowledgeable and knowing what we're talking about and being confident is ultimately all you can ask for. So sharpen up those negotiating skills. I can promise you, once you do, you'll feel that much more confident to downloading real estate. I'll see you all next week.